You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. So we're going to look at scripture this morning as we continue on this, this journey we're on. We, we're on a series right now titled Walk. And uh, the whole idea of this series in particular is I believe God has a heart that we would encounter him along a journey that we're in. Um, our walk with the Lord is not one-dimensional. We don't experience God just in one way. But as we journey with Him, there's different ways in which God wants to move in our lives. He wants us to encounter. He wants us to know Him. And uh, we, we looked at, uh, in our baptism service just last Sunday, we looked at this, and in Brighton the Sunday before, this reality, we start our walk when we give our lives to Him don't we? we? We start the journey. We were intended for a relationship with God. We were intended to have a, a journey with Him. God never intended for us to walk alone. However, what happens is when we're born in this world, sin separates us. And it's because of what Christ did, He paid the price so actually that sin would be removed, forgiven once and for all, and our relationship would be restored so we could walk with Him. We could know Him. We could have the intimate relationship that He, he has given us. And he wants to have with us. We've also, uh, Robin shared here and in Brighton, there was um, the, 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 the aspect of us being in his presence, hearing his voice, knowing him in that sense of intimacy. God wants to speak to us. He wants us to know his voice. And in our life groups, we've also then looked at and we are looking at currently the gifts of the Spirit. An amazing thought process is that God calls us and invites us to participate with him in the supernatural. And he's given us his gifts so that it isn't us who's doing it, but actually we are bringing forth his kingdom and his purposes through the gifts of the Spirit. It's not of us, but he invites us to be part of it. Now this morning we're going to look at something a little bit different in our walk with him. And to do so, we're going to go right to the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Genesis 1, 27 and 28 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. What a great verse, isn't it? Yes! I see the excitement. The verse in particular I want to focus on is right in verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth, subdue it, govern it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Now, the context of this passage of Scripture is before the, the fall of man, right? So before we needed to be redeemed, before there was a need for a, a Savior, actually, this is the perfect place. God created everything. Sin had not entered the world. Everything was as it was meant to be. This was the original purpose for man. This was the original purpose for the, the earth. This was what it was all supposed to look like. This is the picture right here. Now, as we know, when man chose to sin, this whole idea of, of ruling and, and being over everything on this earth Actually, we, we relinquish, 
we relinquished that authority to Satan at that moment. We, we gave way. We gave it away. We gave away the family farm, the earth, this whole domain. We gave it all away. Now, Jesus came to restore all things, didn't he? So in a sense, what we look at right from the beginning of Genesis, if he is coming to restore all things, then to restore means there was something originally there that is to be restored. Would that be correct? Would you agree with that? You don't restore something that isn't something to start with. You don't restore a new car. You restore an old car that is to be brought back to its original state. And the same thing when Jesus came to restore all things. He came to restore what God had originally planned. His, his purpose, his primary plan for mankind. He came to restore that. He came to, to bring it back into, into its existence. Now, the first thing that God says here in verse 28, it says, God blessed them and said, be fruitful, be fruitful. Now, be fruitful in this context originally was, I think the assumption could be to have babies. Would that be correct? Yes, to have babies, be fruitful, multiply, may there be lots of you. In the New Testament, Jesus said something very similar, but not in having babies. He said, we're also called to be fruitful. In John 15, 8, it says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear what? Much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. So at the very beginning in Genesis, it says, be fruitful. Jesus comes along to restore all things and he says, what? Be fruitful, bear much fruit. There, there needs to be fruit. And it is to whose glory that we bear fruit? It's to God's glory. Now, in original, when we look at the very beginning, yes, the, the, the fruitfulness was in a sense of multiplying man to man, woman to woman. There was, there was a sense of reproduction. But in when Jesus came to re restore all things, he, he brought the kingdom of heaven to earth. And, and so what was very physical in, in Genesis became a spiritual context. We're bringing the kingdom of God to earth. We're to be fruitful. Fruitfulness in God's kingdom isn't necessarily having a baby physically, but it is having a spiritual baby. It is about us passing on what God has done in our lives to other people. It is displaying the character of God. It is drawing people into the kingdom of God. We are called to be fruitful. We are called to fill the earth with disciples. You and I have this commission upon our lives. Fruit can take place in our attitudes and actions. It can, it also refers to sharing our faith. In Matthew 28, 19, we're called to make disciples. What is disciple making? It's having spiritual babies. Isn't it? Come on. We're called to fill the earth with spiritual babies. You and I have that mandate. The mandate that was upon Adam and Eve is the mandate that's upon you and I as Jesus has restored all things. We are also now to multiply. We are to, to be fruitful. <laughs> Making disciples is a spiritual reproduction. It's passing our faith on to others. I mean, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, there's a whole aspect of discipleship. It's really, we are passing on what God has done in our lives. Now, if Adam and Eve did not hold to God's original plan of being fruitful, it would have all stopped. You and I would not be here today. Would that be correct? If they never took God's very first instruction to them of being fruitful, what would have happened to the human race? It would have died eventually. A thousand years on, it would have died. Man sinned. They had no babies. It would have eventually died. I mean, we see it in the animal kingdom at the point that 
more animals are dying that are coming in, they, they become extinct. They, they're, they're no longer here. And the same thing goes, if in the Christian faith, if people in our past were not fruitful, would we be here today? No, we would not be. We're only here today because someone was fruitful. Someone multiplied. Someone passed something on to us. We're all here as a result of being discipled by someone else. And so the very first thing that was called upon the early upon Adam and Eve is, is for us as well. It's to be fruitful and multiply. Now, the second part of what was said to, to Adam and, and Eve, it says, be fruitful and increase in number. And it says, fill the earth. Fill the earth. Where were they at this moment? The Garden of Eden, right? That was an, an, an area on the whole planet. Just think of it, if you were only two people in this entire world. And God gives you the great commission of going to fill the whole world. Wow, that's a big calling. Maybe Solomon would have been better equipped. <laughs> but nonetheless, fill the whole earth. Now, he was calling them at that moment to not have just a local perspective, but to have a global perspective, wasn't he? He was calling them to fill the earth. Are we not given the same mandate? What place are we to go with the gospel? All the earth, every nation, every nation. You know, all the earth is local and all the earth is global. When God says go to every nation, every nation is England. Absolutely. Every nation is, is this area around where we live. Every nation, though, is every nation. How many nations is every nation? All of them. Yes. Very good. Jesus says go and make disciples of all nations. So if we're going to say all nations, how many nations are there in the world? Anyone have an idea? 250. Yeah. It's 200. There's over 200 and less than 300. And it's somewhere in between. Sorry? 218? I thought it was 253 or something. But anyways, for the sake of this message, there's a lot. Okay? There's a lot of countries in the world. There's a lot of nations. There's a lot of nations that aren't actually nations, but call themselves nations. There's you know, independent groups of people that would call themselves a country. The point is, is this, is that God has called us. He called Adam and Eve to go and fill the earth. Don't just stay where you're at, but actually you need to fill the earth. That has to go out. When Jesus said to the disciples, they were to be his witnesses. He didn't call them to be witnesses only in their hometown. I'm sorry. He, he didn't say that, did he? He called them to fill the earth. Go in, into your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The mission that was given to the disciples and given to us is the same mission that was given to Adam and Eve, which is to fill the earth. We're not filling the earth with babies. We're filling the earth with spiritual people. People being born again into the kingdom of God. That is what we are called to fill the earth with. We are called to go into all the world to fill the earth. Every country on the planet is on our radar as a believer. It's easy to say, maybe I'm not really into missions. I'm sorry, if you're a follower of Jesus, you don't have an option. We're all into missions because we are part of a kingdom that's missional, that is called to go into all the world. But what was required of us starts with willingness. 
You know, if we want to be part of God's plan, if we want to experience, if we're going to walk with him, there has to be a willingness to be part of what he's doing. Sometimes we, I think, like to just sit here and want God to do something in us. We want to experience his presence. But I believe there's an aspect of experiencing him, and very similar to what he was saying. We have to be part of the mission. If God is going over here and I just want to stay here and I just want to, I, I miss him. I mean, it's the same thing even when the Israelites were going through the desert. If the cloud was moving onwards and they wanted to stay in the hot sun by themselves, well, they're going to die. And the same thing goes when God is, is moving, he, he calls us to be part of his mission. Actually, when we join him in the mission, we're encountering him. We're experiencing him. However, it requires in us, first of all, an availability. I remember I was part of a, a service when I was about 16, 17 years old. And I remember coming to the altar and it was very much this whole sense of, of being open to the mission that God had, you know, missions, foreign mission, anything, just being available. And I remember coming to the front and I remember this whole sense of saying, God, I give my life to you. Whatever you want in my life, it's yours. I, I remember that, that, that service where I just said, God, okay, if you want my life for a mission, I'm yours. Nothing actually happened that night. There was no lightning bolt hit me. Nothing, nothing happened. It was a number of months later, though, when I was at home <laughs> eating lunch one day, where God just came upon me, and there was a calling that clearly defined my life. I began to cry. I was about 17, 18. I began to cry, and I knew God had put this part of the world in my heart at that moment. But it started with my willingness to say, God, I want to be part of the mission. And then God pulled up my card and said, you, you said you wanted to be part. I'm calling you now. I'm calling you to be part of it. Each one of us can be part of God's mission in different ways. And I think we don't have an opt-out Of, of saying, well, I, I just don't like to travel or don't like, do you know what? Actually, that has nothing to do with it at all. We start with saying, God, here am I. Even thinking of Isaiah, he just said, God, here am I. Who will go for us? I'll, I'll go for you, God. But then there's obedience to follow his leading when he does call. It's one thing to, in a service like this, to say, God, I'm yours. It's another thing when God says, okay, I want you to go. You know, what's interesting is that I was in a, a service where Brother Andrew from Open Doors was sharing, and he made a powerful statement. He says, there's no country on the planet that's closed to the gospel. Whatever you've heard in the media, whatever the Christian circles have said, is not true. There's not one country that's closed to the gospel. He says, the only catch to it is you just have to be willing not to come back out. You have to be willing to lay down your life. Every country we can get into, you just might not come out of. And that's when we start to look at saying, God, I surrender. I want to be part of going into all the world to fill it with your gospel. It actually means all the world. When God calls us to go to all nations, he calls us to go to all nations. Now, we like to pick and choose, and we want to be part of what we feel nice and comfortable. But if we're talking about wanting to walk with God and wanting to experience his presence and wanting to move in his power, then it requires us to say yes to his voice when he prompts us to places that may be not in the comfort zone. 
In Romans chapter 10, we have this passage of scripture. It says this, it says Romans chapter, Romans chapter 10, verses 14 to 15. It says, how can they call on the one uh, that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. You know, there's both the going and the sending, but together there's a, a reality that we're called to mission. And so we're called to be fruitful. We're called to fill the earth. But the, the third thing that we're called to in this passage of scripture, it says to fill the earth and subdue it. To, to govern it, to, to, to rule in it. If we're going to bring it into our context today, is for you and I to walk in God's authority. Seeing God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Is that not what God commanded us to do? To bring his will here on earth as it is in heaven? Isn't that what even is part of the Lord's prayer? Is to walk in that, that sense of authority? Actually, they were to subdue it. They were to govern it. They were to, to rule the earth in that sense. And you know, you and I are called. God has, has come through Jesus Christ. He's come to redeem us. He came to, to restore all things. And to restore all things means he restored our authority. The authority in Christ has been given back to us. It's, it's no longer us being under the enemy. Actually, the, uh, Christ conquered the enemy. He, he paid the price to, to release us from it, the enemy's grips. And so he's now given us back the authority. And he says, now walk in the authority I've given you. I've given you the authority to move out. After Jesus rose from the dead, he took all authority from Satan. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, do what? Go. Thank you. I heard a go over this. I think it's Philadelphia. She's a goer. Go. It wasn't I've given all authority to you, so now just stay. Have tea. Do nothing. No. Go. What were they to go and do? They're go to subdue the earth. What? With the kingdom of God. To bring the kingdom of God to earth as it is in heaven. You and I are called to subdue it, to govern the world in a spiritual context. <laughs> Let's just become kind of a, a militant thought process. It isn't. All authority is given to me, so therefore go and make disciples. In Christ, you and I have been given authority. Why? So we can restore the lives of the people around us. We've been given that authority. Because of the fall of man, right at the beginning. So we started at this beautiful passage in Genesis where it's all so nice and beautiful. Then we have this nasty bit where everything falls apart. But since the fall of man, sickness entered the world. You know, God never intended for sickness to be part of the plan. It's because of the fall of the man that there is sickness. He never intended there to be brokenness or despair or oppression or depression or captivity. There's, that was not part of the plan. That was all part of the fall. But Jesus came to restore all things and he restores all things through us. And he's given us the authority to restore all things. Because of Jesus, there's an opportunity for new life. There's an opportunity for healing, for forgiveness, for restoration, for release. Why? Because he's given us the authority over these things. We're called to bring back the kingdom of God to earth as it was at the very beginning. 
God never intended for us. You know, often a question that comes up in Elf and other groups, why is there suffering in the world? Why is there, you know, why do innocent people die? Why, why all these things? Do you know what? It's all because of the fall of man. That's, that's it. God never intended for hurt and pain, disease. He never intended for that. He never created it. But it's a result of what man chose. But there's good news in the whole story is that Jesus came to pay the price so that we no longer have to be subject to these things, but we have been given authority over these things so we can bring the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And I can't even tell you what, in heaven, there is no sickness, there's no pain, there is no brokenness, there's no despair, there's no hopelessness, there's no helplessness in heaven. And we're to bring heaven to earth. So the very opposite of all of those things is what we are to bring into the planet around us. And I tell you what, when we do so, we experience the presence of God. We experience the oil coming out. We experience God moving in his spirit. We have been given the authority and this mandate to bring this to the world. Agents of the kingdom of God to set people free. You're on assignment. You're on assignment to set people free. You and I, we're not just wanderers, nomads, waiting for Jesus to come back, bunkering down because it's such a bad place to live. Do you know what? No, God says, well, you're here. Well, you still breath. You're on assignment to set people free, to bring people into the kingdom. You're on assignment to subdue the earth, to fill the earth, to release people. You're on assignment. Don't go on holiday just waiting for Jesus to return. And it doesn't matter how old or how young we are. God has a plan for us. And this day, in this hour, to be part of his big plan. Our response to this call is saying, God, here am I. This morning isn't just, just some kind of rally call to the church. But as I, I'm praying more than anything, is a challenge for you and I to say, I want to be part of what you are doing, God. I love hearing stories of missionaries. People like Jackie Pollinger, who you know, did see, has seen ex- incredible things. And yet the only reason she's seen incredible things is because she stepped out and said, God, here am I. Any person who's done anything of greatness in the kingdom of God have been people who said, God, here am I. I want to be part of your mission. I want to be part of what you're doing. I will go where you're calling me to go. The prayer this morning is saying, God, here am I. Here am I. Now, it's a big prayer to say, here am I, Lord. Because we're saying, God, we want to be part of your mission. We want to be part of your plan. We want to be part of your outworking. And in saying here am I, I, the only way I think we can effectively say here am I is to put no boundaries around that. We don't see a precedence in scripture of people putting boundaries around it. But when people were open to the gospel, when they were open to God doing whatever he wanted to do, they were willing to be part of it. And I think either God calls us to go into all the world in the sense of traveling somewhere, being or he calls us to be going into our own locality. He called, but it, it, it isn't, it isn't neither of those. We're all called to do the work of an evangelist. The work of the evangelist is quite simple. It's 
bringing people into the kingdom. It's being fruitful. That's the work of evangelists, is being fruitful. Would, it, would you not agree? In the very simplistic sense of it, we're all called to just be fruitful, which is, which is in our area of, of, of living. I, I want to close with, with, a, with a thought. Now, what would happen if all of us, and in Brighton, if all of us said, God, here am I. Here am I. I want to be fruitful. I want to walk in your authority. What would happen through our lives and through the church if every one of us were willing vessels? You see, I think the things that stop us are fear, not wanting to step outside of our comfort zone. Can I just tell you, I had that moment at the dinner table. I was at lunch. I was crying as a 17, 18-year-old guy. I don't normally, didn't normally cry. But the reality really hit when I slept the first night in Holland at a missionary's home, and I was going to be there for a year. And I remember crying the second time, and the reality hit home of what I signed up for. And I remember thinking, oh, God, I can't do this. <laughs> it was before the era of internet and before the era of all those things. And it's like I felt alone on another side of the world, away from family, away from everything. But then there was this overwhelming sense of God had called me. And he was going to help me. He was going to walk through it. And, and he did. And, and, there's, and, and there's been a, an exciting journey ever since. You know, Christians are often depicted as boring people. Would you agree? The church is this boring, outdated fixture in society from the past. Can I tell you what? If a church is surrendered to Jesus, it is anything but boring. There's been moments of my life I've wanted a little bit of boring. Boring would have been okay even. But you know, that's not the journey he calls us to. He wants us to know life and life to the full. And life to the full can be sitting in another country. Life to the full can be sharing your faith with your, your neighbor. That can be life to the full. Someone coming to faith is life to the full. Life to the full is not just speaking about physical blessings. It's about moving in the power of His Spirit. It's about moving in the fullness of His plan. That is life to the full. When God is moving through our lives, it does not matter how much money is in your bank account. When God is working through your life, that is the only thing that becomes important. That's the only thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. Thinking, I am happy to be alive because I get to do things with Jesus. I get to see his kingdom come. And that is worth waking up for. Paying your bills is probably not worth waking up for. I've had seasons in my life I don't really want to wake up just to go to work. But I do want to wake up to be part of the mission. Because his mission's exciting. It's challenging, it's hard, but it's, it's what we were made for. It's back to the original call. And I want to read it one more time, just as I close. God bless them. I tell you, we are blessed. This is the day of the favor of the Lord. We are blessed. But we are called then to be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth, and govern it, subdue it. That is the call on our lives. I want to close it by this way.
And I want you to think about this. I don't want you just to stand because I'm standing. But I, I think to hear this, there has to be a challenge in our own hearts of do we want to be part of it? Do we want to say yes to the Lord in this way of saying, God, I, I, I'm yours. I want to be part of this mission. What I want to invite you to do is stand with me if you're saying yes to that. But I put this clause in it. It's saying you're saying yes to whatever that looks like. Okay? It isn't yes in the box that you've already self-determined. But it's saying yes, God, whatever it looks like, I am yours. And so this morning, and in Brighton, I want you to do this as well. If that's your heart, if that's your response, to saying, God, I want to be part of this. I don't want to see someone else encountering you and seeing great things happen. I want to be part of it. Then I want you to stand with me in this moment right now. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.